The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Pure Hoops podcast, NBA week two. We are recording on Halloween Thursday. Eric Newman, New York. BJ Armstrong, thankfully, safe and sound in the L.A. area. And BJ, before we get into your Halloween character today, uh, how are you and the fam doing after this crazy week out there? Uh, It's been... uh... It's been amazing, Eric. Uh, thank you, first of all, for asking. But for all of the families and and the first responders and people here were affected by the fire, so our prayers go out. But our family is safe. Um, we are here, and you know we're managing like so many other families. So, um, but we're good. We're ready to go. Uh, you know, we're, we're we're Detroit people, so we're tough. And uh, the people out here in Los Angeles. The, the police, the fire departments, they've been wonderful. Our neighbors and all of the communities here to help everyone, uh, not just our family, but everyone here. So uh, it's been great to see and uh, the love and, and you know, seeing people helping one another. And uh, it's been a terrific, terrific, um, you know, just to see people out here helping and, and getting people through tough times. Well, that's good to hear. So maybe eventually someone will uh, actually hit the go button and help solve our global global warming problems because literally there's fires every other week out there and uh i'm, I'm worried about you guys and I'm, I'm i'm worried about the beautiful state of california as aside from the battle for la there's uh a lot of magical things and great people out there so uh wishing everyone safe you know lebron keeps sending the taco truck out for the responders and everybody keep looking out for each other, and, and hopefully this will this will pass soon and people can get back to some normalcy. No normalcy in the NBA this week, though. Oh, we wow. Some, some wow. wild, some wild stuff. And um, as much as I would love to talk about the uh, impressive uh, Boston Celtics victory over the Milwaukee Bucks, there's a lot more pressing things at hand here. Oh, and we have to obviously start with uh, Steph Curry going down, broken left hand. <sighs> We don't know yet how mm. uh, long he'll be out. We've got Curry going down. We've got punches being thrown oh. in, um, in Philadelphia between Cat and Embiid. And uh, we, of course, have uh, to talk about tanking and load management. So let me begin with the Golden State Warriors and Steph Curry. Collides with Aaron Baines. It looks as if when the collision happens, Baines, of course, always uh, sticking his body in there looking to take a charge. He takes it in the groin on the way down. His body weight falls on Curry's left hand. And, um, you know, there was cause to concern for the Warriors before this. Uh, now the scope of the season is going to be completely different. Um, they get drilled by the Clippers. They get drilled by the Thunder. They respond with a 
win against the Pelicans. Draymond, of course, said what he have to say, had to say, come out with an impressive triple-double. But then they're getting hammered by the Suns last night, even before the injury. So, BJ, you know the Warriors organization. You know the personnel. You know the situation here without Clay. What's the move now with Steph out for likely at least two months? Well, Eric, I've been, you know, I've been thinking about this all day, ready to get get on air and talk about this. Prior to the injury, the Warriors had a lot of problems and a lot of things to address. And we've spoke about it here, and I think it's kind of been in the media. Defense is going to be a problem with this with this team moving forward. You know, offensively, it is what it is, but defensively is where they're really missing Klay Thompson. They're missing Andre Iguodala. They're missing Kevin Durant. So they don't have the defensive presence that a Steve Kerr team has had that has allowed them to have this championship mentality over the last five years. Now with the injury happening to Steph Curry, we don't know what this is going to mean. We don't know what this is really going to mean. I think this is uncharted territory for this organization, especially one that has become accustomed to winning at the level they've been winning. And we don't really know where this is going to end and how this is going to be. The only thing that I can relate it to is I remember when Michael Jordan retired, I was back there in Chicago. And what I came to realize is when you have a great player and that great player leaves, you have to change the mentality of the organization. And if, and if I were the Warriors and the Warriors were to ask me how to move forward is how would you actually build a team around Steph Curry? Not what they what not what they have done over the last five years, but now they have to build a team that's going to complement what he does well, clearly, which is offensively, he's a phenomenal player. But then what he doesn't do well, which defensively, they're going to be able to have to plug in those gaps. So I think there are a lot of question marks. You know, unfortunately, he, he gets hurt. And this isn't, you know, I never like to see any player gets hurt. But now we don't know what this means. And I think this organization is at a, you know, I think this is their moment of truth. They're saying, what are we going to do moving forward? Because they have a lot of question marks in the air, Eric. And uh, this is coming to a head sooner rather than later. You reference the 98-99 Bulls starting afresh after Jordan retires, Phil Jackson leaves, Scottie Pippen ends up uh, that season, correct me if I'm wrong, in Houston. Then he goes to Portland after that. So the Bulls had to turn a new page there. I'm also reminded of the David Robinson injury for the 97-98 Spurs, which leads to them finishing with one of the worst records in the league. And ending up with uh, Tim Duncan, who right. we, of course, thought was going to Rick Pitino in the Celtics, which didn't happen, which I always have a good laugh about. <laughs> so there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting historical perspective here. And now to bring it back to present day, another interesting nugget is the Warriors traded their first round pick in the 2020 draft. I believe in the sign-in trade, which involved Durant and D'Angelo Russell, the catch there is that pick was top 20 protected. So the Warriors, if they choose to go the air quote tanking route this year, or they just fall way behind in the West, which is very likely now due to the competition and depth there without Steph in the lineup, 
They're looking at Clay Thompson coming back after a year, Steph Curry coming back after X amount of time, and potentially a uncharacteristically high draft pick in 2020. So I can imagine the meetings and discussions that are going on today between Bob Myers' ownership and the rest of the front office. But um, this is uh, this is not going to be short-term decision-making here. And the irony around all of this, and listen, we, we talk about it all the time, right? It's what goes on between the lines and everything surrounding it. At the end of the day, yeah, it's a game, but it's also a business. They move into the new arena. They spend all this money. They want to compete obviously at the highest level and now you're basically looking at this i mean we were looking at it as a pause year i don't even know what to label it now is it a a rebuild on the fly year is it a get healthy year is it a development year but whatever it is as you so uh accurately said uncharted territory literally since steph curry became a warrior like th- th- this is this is something they have not dealt with in in, in many years. Um, where are you in terms of, okay, you're in that Warriors front office, you're looking at the roster, you're looking at the rest of the league. What now do you want to get out of this season? Well, I'm, if I'm looking at this team and I'm going to put my executive hat back on, I'm looking for a great player first and foremost. And where am I going to find that great player, Eric? I'm going to find him in four places. I'm going to find him in the draft. I'm going to find him in free agency. I'm going to find him in a trade. And then the most important place, which no one, you know, really talks about, you're going to find him from within. You know, you draft Kawhi Leonard and suddenly he becomes the best player in the league some years later. So just drafting a player is not good enough. You also got to develop this player. So those are the four places that I'm going to find this great player. That's my first thing I'm going to do. Because if you're going to compete, you need greatness. And if you want to compete at the highest level. Now, what does that mean? They're going to have to look at Steph Curry's age. They're going to have to look at the players coming off injury. And they're going to have to look at the pieces they have to see whether they can add pieces to the current players they have that will all mesh in the next, let's say, three three to five-year window? Or are they going to have to possibly move some of their key components that they have and play and, and look to the future because that great player, maybe three years, will be at his peak and be ready to compete at the next level. So the first thing is they have to look at that to figure out, look at the draft, look at free agency, who's available? Look to see if there's a player that's potentially you can trade to that will speed up the process. Trading and getting a piece is the quickest way to bypass all the developmental process. Or do you have a player currently in your roster right now that you feel can be that player within the next year or two? So I think that's what they have to do. They have to make an assessment and then be radically honest with themselves to say, do we, do we currently have with the players we have where they're at in their careers? Physically, mentally, emotionally, do we have the pieces here to compete at that level or do we need to make moves? And you have to be radically honest with yourself because clearly they have a lot of history together. Clearly they've accomplished a lot together. But the hardest thing you have to do is move and trade players and do what's best for the organization. So I think they have to have an honest conversation from within 
and be able to execute whatever's needed to be executed based on their information and, and what their executives and scouts and ownership wants to do next. Crazy to think, and, and those are all great points, and quickly before I follow up, just something I don't want to leave out. Game five of the NBA Finals last year, when Kevin Durant returned from the calf injury, you have Durant no longer on the team. You have Klay Thompson hurt. You have Steph Curry hurt. Iguodala, Cousins, Livingston, Cook, Jordan Bell, Bogut, McKinney, all gone. Kavon Looney has played one game this year. He's hurt again. Draymond Green, the only player from that game that's on the court right now for the Warriors. So um, they've got to figure out what they got in Poole and Pascal and Damian Lee. Um, this is, as you said, this is going to be very interesting. The 2020 free agent class is not nearly the same as 2019 was. And, um, you know, there are guys out there that are, are making a lot of money right now. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, who next summer would look at the Warriors' new arena, Steph and Clay coming back, uh, at joining them for, uh, you know, quote-unquote, a, a friendly deal to join the Warriors and Warriors culture. One thing I'll say about Draymond Green is, you know, he took, you know, obviously his contract, you know, wasn't even close to the max. He wanted to be there and make it work with the, with the Warriors. Uh, I bet teams will be calling to try to acquire Draymond this season. I, I wonder if they're even going to think about entertaining that as, of course, the plan this year was to stay competitive, develop talent, mesh Russell in, and then, of course, uh, re resume uh, the championship chase with Clay uh, as soon as he was healthy. So a, a, a lot here. Um, I, I don't see them... I, I don't see them formally tanking, but... The competition is just going to be fierce. Well, and you, you know, they're going to have a lot of trouble. Well, Eric, you know, it's not—it's not so much that they. I think they've already made the decision. They were doing, and they were ready to play it out this year. They—they, they, I don't think they entertain tanking, but I think you. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think now with the injuries and where they're at now, they have to be realistic in what they need to do short term, but also give them the best opportunity long term. And right now, you know, let's assess free agency. Is is a great player there? You know, I I, I don't know. Is it, do they have the pieces now to get another great player via a trade? I don't know. Do they have that great player already on their team? You know, these are questions. And then, what gives them the best opportunity to get a great player? And that great player for the most part, has always been in the lottery. The best players in our league, for the most part, have been drafted in the lottery. So the Warriors will have to make moves on the fly. Because I think at the beginning of the season, losing games wasn't part of the way this team was built. You know, you don't get D'Angelo mm -hmm. Russell. You don't get Steph Curry. You don't talk about all of the things, possibly Klay Thompson having back and all of the signings that they've made if that was your intention. So they've already made their intentions clear, but now because of injuries and all the other factors that, you know, some you can't control, but in this case you can't control, they have to move on the fly. So I think that is a real conversation that they're having as we're speaking right now of what we're going to do next in the best interest of this franchise because they're going to have to rebuild this thing no matter how you slice it. That's just a fact. They have to rebuild yep. this team 
and they're going to have to rebuild it from the ground up because of all of the injuries they've sustained. There's no way around that. So, you know, just tying back in those historical things from uh, a few minutes ago regarding the 99 Bulls and the 98 Spurs, the Spurs end up with Duncan, and they go from uh, being a, a good team in the West with a healthy Robinson now to the beginnings of what becomes the, the Spurs dynasty era. And, of course, win the championship in 99. Duncan and Robinson win two together. And then Duncan, of course, goes on to win it again in 05, 07, and 2014. The Bulls, as we know, do not have the same fate. And they go through rebuild attempt after rebuild attempt, uh, you know, before finally landing that special talent in Derrick Rose years later. But for them, it took quite a while. Right. So uh, it will be interesting to see um, which way this goes for the Warriors and uh, what decisions they make. But but I bet everything will be very pragmatic and they're not going to rush into anything. Curry will be 32 next year. Draymond and Clay will be 30. So obviously the window is still open, but uh, they've got a lot of big decisions to make in the, in the weeks and months ahead. Right. Um, Western Conference, a team that we thought was going to, um, you know, hopefully be at least playing some exciting ball and building around its young core. They also uh, brought in some, you know, some 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 nice veteran pieces to at least stabilize the situation. I'm talking about the Phoenix Suns, and mm-hmm. you know, DeAndre Ayton is is staring at this 25 game suspension, which I know the NBPA is looking at as he took a uh, a, a diuretic that he didn't know was um, basically on the on the banned substance list. And this team, worse than the West last season, and they're, they're looking good. I mean, they've lost one-point games to the Nuggets and the Jazz. They blew out the Warriors last night. Um, you know, quickly, wh- what are you seeing from this team? You know, they add Rubio. They add Baines. They take, you know, now Booker's off the ball. Um what do you like about Phoenix, and um, is this a team that can sustain this and stay competitive, or are they just uh, on a mini, I'm not even going to say hot stretch, but th- I guess what I'm trying to say is they're competing at a level we didn't think they'd be able to get to this season. Well, we didn't know what to expect from this team. Let's just get right down to it, Eric. We didn't know what this team uh, was capable of doing. We saw the talent, right? We, we, we've, we've seen Devin Booker. Who's had? Very, he's a very capable offensive player in this league. Clearly, with the number one pick, Aiden. So we're going to give them that they have the talent and the potential. But for better or for worse, they've kind of underachieved. You know, for the last year or two. I mean, that's just it is what it is. Um, but what have they done this year? In the first what five games or so, they added quality veterans to their team. Ricky Rubio is a quality point guard. Dario Saric, quality big, you know, playing the power forward position. For better or for worse, this kid, Baines, you know what? He is a rugged player. He's a tough kid. He brings a level of toughness and physicality to the game that as long as you go out there and you work hard like he plays, you're going to win your fair share of games. You know, he knows how to play. And then the kid, Kelly Oubre, you know, give him credit. I mean, he's He's been solid. You know, he's he's a double figure double figure guy and he's he's one of the coveted players that 
all executives love. He's a wing athletic player that can get out there and defend and do some things athletically on the wing. Six, 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 seven, two, three can go out there and play. So they have a you know a starting five. That's you know they have maybe they don't have an elite top ten player, but they got a good starting top you know starting five that you know what that needs to be reckoned with and taken seriously and um you know and, and give the coaching staff their credit as well they're organized they come out they they play and uh, for the most part these first five or six games the first five games they've really come out and made a statement here so uh, give Monty Williams and his staff credit. You know, Monty's been around. Monty was a former player in this league, and uh, you gotta, you gotta say, t- you gotta get, tip your hat to the veterans. I think they, they've stabilized the situation, where you know what, Ricky yeah. Rubio can come out there and do some things and take the ball out of Devin's, Devin's hand a little bit and allow him to do what he does best, which is to score the ball. Great point on Ubre. A perfect example of. Uh the right setting and scenery making all the difference in the world for a talented player. I think he's going to be very, very good there. Uh, two-way wing, and as you said, uh, has a lot of ability. Uh, the, the lefty, formerly of uh, the Wizards. And, uh, you know, Ty Jerome getting to learn and play behind Ricky Rubio uh, is also going to be a real positive thing for, for his development and, and the future of the team, too. So, uh, we'll keep an eye on the Suns, uh, a nice little feel-good story to start the year, a team nobody expected much from. Um, so a crazy, I mean, Wednesday night was wild. We had, uh, and aside from the NBA, we had, you know, an incredible Game 7 of the World Series between the Washington right. Nationals and the Houston Astros. So I've got multiple NBA games going. I've got the World Series going. And I'm I'm seeing the score <laughs> pop up, and, and I feel like, and I feel like I'm seeing things right. And you know, we've got the whole Washington Houston thing going, but you know, there was also an NBA game with with those teams matched up. So let me ask you this: Did you ever think you'd see a team shoot 62 percent from the fl- from the floor, 55 percent from three, and make 24 free throws and lose in a game? The, can you imagine? Can you imagine that ever happening in an in, NBA game? In, you in, shoot that well and lose in the old NBA. No, in this new NBA with the three-point shot. Yes, so it is possible. Well, that's it's possible. That's exactly, and that's exactly what happened to the Washington Wizards Wednesday night against the Houston against the Houston Rockets. Um, not that anybody in DC was was really noticing as they were watching the World Series, but. Uh, an old school mid '80s shootout type of score. Bradley Beal, forty six points. James Harden, fifty nine points. Westbrook, big fourth quarter, triple double. Um, but before we get into, um, I, I want to talk about Beal in a moment. Uh, what's your early sense of, uh, as Mike Lieber likes to say, the beard and Brody? <laughs> In Houston, <laughs> the B and B connection here, as we'd uh, call it. But first, I want to say, squared. yeah, B squared, B squared, uh, B squared. Uh, B squared. Hey, uh, congratulations um, to the Nationals on um, the championship. Well played, very well done. I want to say uh, congratulations, give them a shout out. I think the incredible game. Yeah, I think the I think the combination of Westbrook and Harden is going to work, and I'm going to tell you why. Russell Westbrook. Preach. 
Russell Westbrook plays the game at a pace that not many can play at. And the Rockets play fast under D'Antoni, no doubt about it. They're in hyperspeed with Russell Westbrook. And when you watch how he pushes that ball up the court, okay, if you want to if you want to get the ball because he's a capable passer and he'll do all of those things, you're going to have to play at his pace. And I don't think he is going to slow down for anyone. So the thing I've been watching from them as Westbrook and Harden, which I think is a unique relationship because they were friends prior to them playing. They're both from right out here in Los Angeles. They yep. both have respect for one another, what they do on the court and off the court. And I think they will figure out how to make it work. But besides that, Russell Westbrook is going to push the pace. And I think that's going to force James Harden to play faster. And I think that's what you saw in the first two or three games is that James Harden had to adjust how to play with Russell Westbrook because he's pushing the pace even faster, if that's possible, with the Mike D'Antoni's team. So I think this is going to work. I think the bigger question for them will be the following. Which one of those players, Westbrook or Harden, is going to be the closer when the games matter most? To me, that's the, that's the number one question here. They will win their fair share of regular season games because of, the first of all, the talent of both of those players and the other players on the team. Yep. But the, the main question is, for this team and their expectations, they're not getting to the second round of the playoffs. That's not their goal. They have to figure out, is it going to be Westbrook, who's going to close the game, or is it going to be Harden who's going to close the game? Because that is their moment that they're going to have to answer because we know they can score. I mean, this team had 159 points on the road, Eric. That's a lot of points. That's, that's a, a lot, lot of points. That's a I mean, lot of points. I don't care what's it's, going it's, it's on. Obviously, it's a regular season game. It's against a challenged Wizards team. But right. it's a lot of points. That's a lot. And, of, and, to, your point, and to your point, you know, listen, if Westbrook's having that kind of night and he's got the matchup, and, and he's leading it down the stretch, then I think the Rockets and Harden will be smart enough to say, okay, tonight's your night. But in general, Harden's still the closer. And one of the reasons why I think this uh, can work so well is because Westbrook can help keep Harden fresh for both the stretch run of games, but more importantly, the stretch run of the season and the postseason. We've seen James Harden carry this team on his back the last few years, not to say other guys aren't contributing, but without Harden's incredible scoring efforts to keep them in the race and last year specifically climb them up the standings during the second half of the season. By the time you get into the second round of the playoffs, like he looks cooked. And last year, game five, Kevin Durant strains the calf in game five of that series. Game five, series tied at two, Durant leaves. That game is there from the taking for the taking, excuse me, and James Harden didn't grab it and take it for the Rockets. And you have to think part of that has to do with the fact that, you know, the guys are running on empty by that point. So I I think both for the regular season in in games to keep him fresh to close out games in the fourth, and then, of course, uh, you know, for the long haul to to get this team deep into – uh, into the playoffs and, and get them to June. You know, I, I think the Houston Rockets, it's figuring out a way to 
go to the NBA Finals or bust. That's it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, conference they, Finals, lose a great series to the Lakers or the Clippers or whoever. Like, okay, great. You'll be proud of battling through one of the toughest Western conferences of all time and getting that far. But for Houston and and getting Westbrook and I mean, it's Finals or bust for this team. Yeah, I, I mean, look. Was it a lot of fun and and to watch James Harden score fifty nine points? Yes, but my my thing for James Harden and the Houston Rockets is the following: you have an opportunity to win a championship this year, and in October, you know, is that something you want to be doing now, or is that something you want to be doing in June, May or June when it really counts? Yeah. And and that's that's well, my well, that's my only question that's my only question for him because clearly he has the ability to do it, but now does he have the ability to do it when it's most needed? Because I need that type of effort in May and June. I need that effort in May and June when you're sure. playing against when you're playing in the playoffs. And that's my only question for him. I think that I think it's going to work. I think both of them have a respect for one another that's needed. Uh, Russell has the ability to contribute in many ways other than just scoring, whether it's with his defense, whether it's rebounding, assisting, or what have you. And clearly we know he can score, and he can score in bunches. But again, I want to see this effort when it matters most. And that's my only question because I'm expecting big things from this Houston Rockets team this year. Final question on the Rockets. Harden and Westbrook are going to play the way they play, whether they're at home in Houston, on the road in L.A., in a parking lot in Detroit, or at Rucker Park in Harlem. So how important for the Houston Rockets to go deep into the playoffs is having home court? I'm gonna say this. I'm, I'm gonna say this, Eric. I'm, I'm, if we're, we're, let's let's you and I talk about what it, what it takes to be a champion. This is what I want to see from the Rockets, and this is what I want to see from them. And I've been waiting for the last two or three years to say this, and I've been waiting for the last two or three years to say it in the right place. I want to see the Rockets win when they can depend on their defense. Offensively, I have no more questions about them. They can score on the mm-hmm. road. They can score at home. They can score in a parking lot. They can score the basketball. My question for the Houston Rockets and the Rockets fans and this Rockets team over the last three years, can they get a stop? Because you're going to have to win the game at some point during the playoffs on, your de- on, on the defensive side yep. of the ball. Yep, you got to lock up. You got to make, make that stand. The score is 100-100, and we need a stop to win the game, okay? You score 100 points in the playoffs, that's enough points to win the game. So now can they have as much confidence in in their defense as they have in their offense? If they do that, Eric, this team significantly increases their chances to win a championship if they can have their defensive effort match the same offensive output that they have because we know they can score. Offensively, I don't have any more questions about this team. I just want to know can they grind out a game not shoot the ball well and do all of the things where they score 130 points to win and say defensively we gave an effort that allowed us to win this game because you need one of those games in every seven game series and the rockets right now can't do that 
Yeah, no, whether it's uh, a street fight with the Clippers or a, a grinded-out game with the Jazz, whatever it is, they've got to prove they can they can, can win those types of games and get those stops and, and battle in the trenches regardless of uh, how well they're shooting it or not. Qu- quickly, BJ, um, you know, the, the team on the losing end of that uh, high-scoring shootout on Wednesday, of course, was Washington, and... You know, this this is going to be a, a challenging year for them. Obviously, John Wall out for the year. Great to see Isaiah Thomas back on the floor. Uh, Bradley Beal is a special talent, but th- this is a guy that I don't think a, a lot of the country knows about unless they're a really, you know, dialed-in basketball junkie like we are. Mm-hmm. Um, how impressed are you with Beal? We know he can score the ball, but his emergence as an all-around player and playmaker, uh, how impressive has Beal's development been for you? Well, Bill has been one of those players. Fundamentally, he came into this league very solid. You know, last night, you look at his numbers. I mean, he was like 14 to 20 from the field. You know, he had six rebounds, eight assists, three steals. I mean, clearly at that two-guard position, he's one of the better players at that position in the league. So his development, I think, starts with his fundamental base. He's a very fundamentally sound player. He can catch and shoot. He's added the ability to create shots and opportunities for himself and others. And you're starting to see him take on the responsibility more and more uh, with this Washington Wizards franchise, with his leadership. What he did this year by signing the extension, kind of you're seeing his development as a person off the court and you're seeing his growth and him taking on more responsibility. So you like to see this with young players. And uh, I always applaud when you see growth in young players. Clearly, he's a very talented uh, young man, but what he's been able to do and, and be an example uh, for the for the generation behind him, I think uh, he's one to look at and he's been fun to watch uh, thus far in his career in this league. Special talent. Landed on my fantasy roster. Nice to see the stat line there, but as far as uh, how he plays and the smoothness to the game and just like a joy to watch. Like if, if you haven't watched Bradley Beal and I know the wizards aren't that exciting and they're not going to be on national TV all that much this season. But if you have a way to watch the wizards or just watch Bradley Beal highlights, he's uh, he's a special player and uh, will remain so for a long time. So quickly uh, a bunch more to, uh, to cover here, BJ, we're going to go a little rapid fire. So we had the Timberwolves. We had the Sixers battle of Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid, and this literally turned into a battle. Uh, they went to the floor. Have we seen uh, a quote-unquote brawl or fight like this between big stars? Have we seen anything like this in terms of the star power on both sides since that Dr. J. Larry Bird fight, which took place whoa, probably... Whoa, 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 was that whoa, like your senior whoa, year of high school? Whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are we saying that the intensity Star of, power. Star... No, no, not no, the no, intensity. No, no, I'm just talking no. about star power. I'm talking star power. We're talking about Julius... The doctor. We're talking about the doc. Getting lit up by Larry Legend. And we're talking about, you know, you guys call him Larry. We call him Tweety Bird for us that know him. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But for the show, we'll go with Larry Legend, you know, so everyone knows who who we're talking about. Tweety Tweety was putting 42 on Doc. Now. In a preseason. Now, Larry Larry and Doc, that's, that's star power. 
Now, I don't know if I'm ready to put Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns, with all due respect, you know, they're, they're, they're all terrific. All due respect. Yeah, they're, they're terrific. And listen, sometimes, terrific sometimes. Young players. They're terrific young players, but we're talking yep. about the doctor now. And Larry, that's fair. And, and Larry listen, Bird. BJ, sometimes I just sometimes I just read questions. Okay, that, all right, all uh, right. Well, fine well, producers okay. put in front of me. So in saying that, I, I, you know, it was last night was a a little, you know, a little, a little squirmish. Wednesday night, yeah, Wednesday little, night, it got testy. A little squirm- it got real testy. Got a little squirmish. You like the intensity. You like the mm-hmm. the effort, and, uh, and and you know, I like the passion that they brought to the game. So. You know, hey, okay, it's nothing wrong with things get a little testy there, and you move on. Can you can you for thirty seconds, just because it makes me smile, just remind our audience how tough mid eighties NBA was and how tough Larry Bird was. Forget as a player, just uh, as just being tough as nails. Larry, was, I mean. You know, it's funny, you know, when I watch these fights now, and it's it's always funny to me, you know, you, you have that. Hold on, fights you, fights with air quotes. You have fights those fights now, and then they break it up, and you start back playing again, right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, I mean, there were, you know, I, I don't even know if there were any punches thrown last night. You know, there were a lot of grabbing and holding. I think, they, uh, I think, I think there were a couple of attempts as they went down to the floor. Yeah, but, uh, you, you know. Um, nothing that was quite uh, visible. But Larry was... As mentally tough as I've seen for a player, I mean, he wasn't the, the the fastest, he wasn't the most physically gifted, but mentally, what he was able to do and his awareness and how he played and approached his craft with the level of pro- with the professionalism that he brought to the game, you know, he was there prepared. You knew he knew every aspect of the game and the plays and all of the things. So. You know, yeah, we could talk about guys being tough and guys who are fight, but his toughness to play through injuries and play through all the ailments and take on that responsibility of being great and living up to Larry Bird's level of greatness every night, to me, is what sets him apart. You know, getting your numbers is one thing, but being great to the standard that you set and accomplished what he was able to accomplish, winning championships and all of the things there in the city of Boston you know that to me is what toughness is all about and he brought that every night so you know that's that's what toughness is when you are great every single night okay there was no taking nights off he took his matchup every night he took his responsibility every night and he delivered when it counted so you know Larry will always have I will always have the ultimate respect for him and uh it was just an honor to be able to play against him and those Boston Celtics teams because you know what it showed me what being a professional was all about and I remember playing against the late Dennis Johnson and Danny Ainge and Robert Parrish and Kevin McHale and those guys and you know as a young kid coming in playing in the Boston Garden hey that was one of the highlights of my basketball career the one negative to everything you just shared about Bird is all of that cost him years on the back end of his career, because but, after '88 he was but, never he was never the same. He, but you know what? He, if he, was he never but the if same. He, but if he didn't do that, he would have never had that at the beginning of his career. So you know, this is very true. Uh, yeah, yeah, you very know, true. Listen, the, the one thing, the one thing that, and maybe that was just the mentality of that athlete in that era was. You gave you went full tilt. 
and you didn't worry about tomorrow or the next day or, you know, hey, I'm going to play 17, 18 years because, no, you came out to compete that day because you didn't know when this thing was going to end. And I always appreciated that from the pros who I respected coming into this league, whether it was Larry Bird and Dr. J and Kareem and all of those guys who, you know, when I sat down and talked to them, they gave me that mentality. Hey, hey, young man, you don't know how long this is going to last. So lay it out on the line. So, and that's what we did every single night. And I, and I always respected that. So, okay, maybe Larry could have played two or three more years, but that's what, that's not who Larry Bird was. Larry Bird wasn't a, a 75% guy. <laughs> nope. You came to see Larry Bird punch in the clock and lay it out there on the line. You know, I remember when watching the game against Indiana when he knocked his head against the floor. You know, now you would be out for weeks, months, you know, with the protocol because, you know, of, uh, of, of all the things that we know now when you hit your head on the floor. Larry went in there, got a little ice, and came back and played and <laughs> won the game. <laughs> One of the most influential moments of my childhood watching sports was right. watching that moment with my dad, Sunday afternoon, game five, and you're thinking to yourself, did I just watch Larry Bird walk off the floor for the last time? All right, there was no concussion he his head. protocol. That I mean, yeah. this he, guy... He hits his head on the floor. He was out. He, he was, was out. out on the floor. Decisive game five against Chuck Person, Reggie Miller, and and the and the Pacers, and not to get off on a tangent here, but this is this is too good not to address. He had already had the season of back issues. Uh, he was physically just a wreck, and he then fractures his cheekbone, face to the floor. Leaves the game late second quarter. They come out of uh, halftime. The Pacers have all the momentum. And I don't know, BJ, if you know, I'm sure you've heard this before, but it's one of the most amazing stories. The trainer says, you know, Larry made a great run. You know, uh, we'll keep icing this thing, but, you know, the, the, you're done. You can't go back out there. And Larry just simply waits for the trainer to leave the room for a minute. And then he just puts that warm-up back on. And that famous shot of him going out in the hallway and going up the steps. And then, of course, Marv Albert's call of his return. And what he did after that is one of the, the most courageous performances uh, I've ever seen. And I think, you know, one, one of the, the, the greatest performances under duress we've seen from an athlete. And, uh, you know, he puts him on his back to win a thrilling game five there to close out that series. It was, uh, it was awesome. And, and, but that's something that um, that resonates, you know, through uh, who the Celtics are and, and what that tradition means. And I mentioned that because, you know, Wednesday night, the Bucks come in. Uh, Giannis is on another level right now. The Bucks look very good to start the season. The Celtics bounce back from losing to Philadelphia to open the year to an impressive win against the Raptors. They go handle their business uh, in New York against the Knicks. And now they've got the Bucks coming in. And the Bucks handed the Celtics, they handed it to them in the playoffs last year. And Jalen Brown has been playing great as out of the lineup. The game starts. You know, really, really to Milwaukee's liking, shooting shooting the heck out of the ball, getting whatever they want, and then all of a sudden the Celtics flip this switch and they're they're you know, they're undersized on the front line. Um, but we saw some things Wednesday night from them coming back from, from nineteen down. Uh Kemba, Gordon, Tatum, Marcus Smart, but 
role guys really doing the the dirty work there. You know, the season's very young, but Philly, Milwaukee, Boston, uh, what are your quick thoughts on how the three of these teams have started the season? Well, the first, you know, let's start with there in Boston. You know, the truth was there. I, he was I thought fired up. He, he was fired up. I thought I thought I had a flashback of like ML Carr. The energy, mm-hmm. the energy that he was bringing to the arena was great. And you like, I like yep. to see that when because you you know when I like to see former players who played a place they played a long time. You see what that means to them, right? And uh, the I young really guys need to know. The young guys need to know how much it still means to the old guys. I, 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 I like yeah. whatever whatever it is. You know, whether it's NBA basketball, whether it's your high school team, whatever it is, it's it's a very important thing for the young guys to see. And I and I like that. And 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 you know what I really liked about the game is yes, they got down they got down big early in the game, but they had an impressive third quarter. You know, it was like a it was like a twenty point swing in the third quarter, like thirty eight to eighteen or so, and that's the sign to me of a good team. You come out mm-hmm. after halftime, you make the adjustments, and all good teams come out and with that third quarter and they play and they take it up a notch, and that's what I really respected uh, about the Boston Celtics. Here is that they put emphasis on the third quarter, and you and if if you recall you you've always appreciated that about the Golden State Warriors over the last four or five years they've always played well in the third quarter after halftime, and all great teams and when I was in Chicago, we tried to do that. We learned that from the Pistons, the Pistons learned that from the Celtics, and all good teams and all great teams all try to come out with that energy after halftime because it's a great opportunity, and I like that about the I like that about the Celtics here against the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks, you know, I'm a little concerned with them right now because yes, they do have some, they do have a good team. They do have a great player. But right now losing the way they're losing, I'm I'm a little concerned. You're up 19 on the road. That's an opportunity to make a statement. It's an opportunity. Yeah, that was that was a ment- I think it, I I don't it's weird. It wasn't like they hit the snooze button. No, that's what I'm saying. It, but it's a, they were they were just not ready for the punches that were going to be thrown yeah, coming out of halftime. I don't know if they didn't think they had it in them or not, but you've got Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, Gordon Hayward, and Jason Tatum coming out of the locker room along with some other just real competitive guys. You've got, you know, back-to-back years facing each other in the playoffs. You've got that environment. I, I don't know why they would have been surprised the Celtics came out with with some fire and some fight. So, uh, you know, I don't have concerns about their roster construction. I don't have concerns about their uh, their depth. But from a mentality standpoint, um, you know, last uh, Wednesday night in Boston, that, that that's a night the Bucks need to learn from quickly uh, in terms of, you know, you're up on somebody on the road, a good team. You, you can't let them back in. Yeah, and then they lost a, another game, which I felt, you know, well, look, that's why you play the game. You know, they lost to the uh, the Miami Heat. At home, mm-hmm. and I and you know yep. I'm just seeing like things. Look, I'm not pushing the panic button by no stretch. I know it's early in the season, but again, I have these expectations for this team, and they're playing this year with expectations unlike last year, when I don't think any of us expected them to have the best record uh, in the league uh, last year. And then no, of no, course, nobody you're expected about, sixty wins. And then of course Philadelphia. I mean, look, they're undefeated right now. They're playing the game. 
you know, and they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're winning the games they're supposed to win. I think Al Horford gives them a calmness and uh, raises their level of professionalism and consistency that they need to play with every single night. And then when they do uh, lose Joel Embiid, whether he's sitting out because of injuries or uh, foul trouble, what have you, Al Horford, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better, you know, to be able to go from power forward to center and do all the things he does on both sides of the ball. So I think they are a good team. I don't know how deep they are. I think at some point they will be tested. Um, but right now, so far, so good. And, um, you know, but I, I'm, I, it's early in the season. I always like to wait, Eric, to about 25 games in before I yep, begin to assess sure. who's who and what's what. But I like the fact when teams like Philadelphia win the games they're supposed to win because that's the sign of a good team. Quickly, out west, we already see Kawhi Leonard sitting out the Clippers against the Jazz the other night. The Jazz win that game at home. Uh, I hate to see load management come in this early, especially when it's a high-level game like this. And so you have the Clippers without Paul George already, then without Kawhi playing the Jazz. Um, listen, obviously the Clippers know the formula the Raptors uh, laid out a, a blueprint that worked really well last season. What are your thoughts on the load management already starting for Kawhi and the Clips? Well, you, you know, they they play a lot of games uh, over the last, you know, week or so. And, um, you know, give the Clippers credit. I mean, they are – they have a really, really good team. But the thing is, I, I'm not sure – if Doc Rivers and staff, and I haven't spoken to them, but just, you know, I'm just, as I'm observing the game, is I don't know if that was a game of rest or do you not want the, you don't want to give the Utah Jazz the confidence to know that they can beat them with Kawhi Leonard at home. Mm. So now, you think that was a that was an old Doc Rivers, Quinn Snyder, uh, well, a little, I, I, little gamesmanship I think, there? I, I think there's always gamesmanship going on because you don't mm -hmm. want to give a team like the Utah Jazz any more confidence than they already have, okay? You know, Doc Rivers' comments after the game, how he was, you know, giving praise to Mike Conley. I think this is strategic because he understands that Mike Conley – is a very dangerous player in a seven-game series. This kid isn't going to be rattled, okay? And he wants yep. to make sure that his team understands we have to give this team a level of respect because Mike Connolly has, is battle-tested. This isn't some kid that's just, you know, having a breakout year. This kid is very capable of closing out a series, and he's mentally tough. And I think Doc Rivers is giving this team the ultimate respect because defensively, this is a team that can depend on their defense to get a stop to win a game or two in a seven-game series. So, you know, I'm not sure if this was just load management or this was a we don't want to give them any respect because we know at some point our paths are going to cross and we need to come in here and give this team the, the respect that's necessary because I really like the Utah Jazz because they have a nice balance. They have depth. They have some youth. And uh, Mike Conley, look, he can really take this team to the next level with his leadership and what he's been able to do. Um, and um, I, I think there's a respect there because, you know, Doc Rivers has been in a few battles himself. 
and he understands when you see a team that can defend and his team is built around defense first, when you see that, you got to respect it. Can you imagine a Clipper-Jazz matchup oh. in the playoffs? Well, that I mean, something. That would be, that would be something. It would be great because defensively, you know, you, you know every possession is going to be magnified. You know the attention to detail. You have great guard play. You have excellent defenders at the rim, on the wings. And you know what? <laughs> Look, I... I know We're Paul be George. This yeah. whole year about like six or seven different potential yeah. matchups. I know. Rest. I mean, but Paul George in particular yeah. would be Look, really good. Really I would. Good. I would love to see Paul George and Kawhi Leonard versus Donovan Mitchell and company. I would love that. Oh wow! That that would be. Yep. It. And, and you and you know the you know the, the the chess match of the coaches and you know what that home crowd is like there in Utah. So you know that they understand when i say you you know doc rivers and company they know what they're what, what what's lays in store there in utah if they need to if they need to face them that's not an easy place to play so i think there's always a little gamemanship and, and in this case that's what that was my first impression when i said oh doc understands what's really going on here and he's laying the foundation and saying to his team we're not giving them any confidence to know that they can beat us <laughs> yeah we don't want well, that they, we we get a rematch in L.A. Sunday. Jazz turn around, and I'll and I'll be there to watch that one. I'll be there early, oh, my friend. I'll be there. Scouting. I'll be Love there. It. I'll be there early. Love it. So you know, quickly, uh, Friday night, just some some things, uh, some things to look out for Friday night to to get excited about. Harden and Westbrook versus, uh, and the Rockets versus Kyrie and the Nets. Um, what kind of uh, what kind of juice do you see around that game with the the excitement around both teams? Obviously, Kyrie's come out uh, red hot. The Nets obviously still trying to find their way in their new identity. Um, it's a home game for Brooklyn Friday night. It's national TV star power of Harden and Westbrook coming in. Um, the Nets need this one. What, what are you feeling with that matchup Friday? Well, I, I think this is going to be a tough game for Brooklyn. If I recall, Brooklyn's been on the road for the last couple games, and it's always hard. It's always difficult to play when you get back home uh, being on the road for a couple games. But in saying that, um, I don't expect much defense in this game, Eric. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's going to be a lot of offensive yeah. well, uh, Brooklyn, outbursts. Brooklyn lost – Brooklyn lost at home to Indiana on uh, on Wednesday, mm-hmm. so they are uh, they, they need one badly. I yeah, mean, their only win this year. They lost at the buzzer to Memphis. Uh, they beat the Knicks, mm-hmm. but they lose to Indiana, and, and now uh, now Houston's coming in. So yeah, we'll see a lot of up and down. But uh, I think they've got to be... figure out a way to get one here at home. Yeah, they 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 they're going to need this one. But you know what? I just think the Houston Rockets have more firepower than them, and uh, but it should be an if you want to see offensive basketball. I mean, look, you're going to see not terrific guard play. You're going to see phenomenal guard play between James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and elite, Kyrie. Elite guard play. Yeah, you're going. I mean, it, you it will be it will be the NBA slash and one special. Okay, you're going to see all the tricks and all the things, the step backs. Kyrie's going to be in Kyrie form. And uh, you're going to see some great offensive uh, outbursts from all of these players, and uh, it should be a fun one. So let's let's do something fun real quick with you, myself, and and our uh, all NBA first team producer Mike Lieber. 
Uh, Mike just typed in uh, first team to 200 wins. I wanted to lay down the over-under for combined three-pointers attempted oh. on Friday night. And combined. I am gonna lay it. I am gonna lay it at 84, and I'm gonna go over. Yeah, I'm gonna go over too. I, I'm gonna. Mike, I'm gonna go over. Over under 84. What do you got? He's got over as well. Yeah, All I'm, right, I'm, 84 is the number. So we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on that for Friday night. We're gonna be <laughs> shooting it. One more for. I mean, Friday night we got a great slate of games. One, one more to really keep an eye on. The Dallas Mavericks off to an impressive three and one start, including winning in Denver this past week. They host the Lakers Friday night. Um, you knew Dallas would be fun. You knew they're well coached, but three and one, and they're not just doing it with uh, Porzingis and Luca. Their their depth, um, they're they're proving to be a tough bunch. What do you like about the Mavericks so far? And listen, it's Game Five of the season, but what kind of a measuring stick can uh, LeBron, AD, and the Lakers be coming in on Friday night on national TV? Well, you know, you you, you got to start with their with their with their coach. Rick Carlisle is look. He is a championship caliber coach. Fundamentally, he is as good as any coach in the NBA, and that team is going to be well-coached, well-prepared. They have two great young talents in Luka Doncic and Porzingis, and they have a supporting cast of players that you got to love, um, you know, whether it's J.J. Barrera, Jalen Brunson, you know, South Curry is down there. They have players here that are very capable, you know, veterans who, you know, know how to play and know their role and know how to play their role very well. So I think the I, I think this will give an opportunity for the for the Lakers to kind of figure out who they are. Uh, I'm excited about the the, the Porzingis AD matchup. <laughs> that should be great. The Luka Doncic, mm-hmm. potentially LeBron James matchup. And, um, you know, you know, there's going to be a lot of energy in the building. So, you know, I think both teams right now need a game like this. There will be a lot of star power out there. But if we can play the game within the game, I mean, you got a seven, what, seven, uh, Porzingis, what, every bit of seven, three against AD, who's every bit of seven feet. And these guys are the new generation of power fours, right? They shoot threes. They post up a little bit. They're athletic. They're long. So I think it'll be a great matchup, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this because uh, AD is coming off a monster game, 40 and 20 and three quarters, and, and three quarters of work in the last game, and uh, it should be it should be a lot of fun, my friend. It'll be a good one for NBA Friday. So great job today, my man. This was a, a heck of a week. I appreciate you being uh, so ready and so prepped, uh, being with what you've been dealing with out there. Uh, in L.A., relocating for the week. Hopefully everything gets back to normal as soon as possible for you and the fam. Uh, Pure Hoops bringing you everything from around the league. Uh, An exciting start to the NBA season. Uh, Special thanks, as always, to producer Mike Lieber, Bruce Bernstein, editor Benjamin Wolfen, the entire Pure Hoops media team, of course, to my partner B.J. Armstrong. Be sure to check out the Mike Wise Show dropping each Monday this past week. We had a chance to capture an incredible interview uh, with Mike Wise and former NBA commissioner David Stern, so stay tuned for that. Catch and shoot feature interviews. The revamp is coming soon in November, so those interviews will be dropping on Wednesdays and catch and shoot's Relaunch will be coming in November on Wednesdays as well. And, of course, Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with the one and only Monica McNutt dropping each and every Thursday. For Eric Newman, B.J. Armstrong, the Pure Hoops podcast, 
It's Friday, November 1st. Have a great weekend. Stay pure. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.